Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Church, I want to say how thankful I am for our church this morning. This this past week, uh, I've been spending a lot of time in prayer. I've been spending a lot of time with Colossians. Um, I'm a, I'm always a little fearful when pre- preaching from the epistles. I'm not the best at it. So I spend a lot of time in prayer reading the epistles. But it's interesting. I was reading Colossians. The Lord made me think of the church. And many of your faces began to come to me. And I was overwhelmed with gratitude. I was really overwhelmed with gratitude. We have a wonderful church community. Amen. I see our young people um, all week serving uh, in various capacities, even this morning, early morning, coming through uh, every Sunday throughout the week, engaging their skills, engaging in community, becoming friends. I see so many of you, uncles and aunties, sisters and brothers, engaged in volunteering at the church in so many different ways, all over the church. Everyone working so hard to make the church better and better for Jesus Christ. Children's church, Sunday school, ushering, web, metro students, life group, our board. So many men and women working together to be the body of Christ. On and on I could go. Close to 200 people at our church are volunteering in some way every week. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you all. You know, and I was just thinking, you know, and I, I know I should say this more often, but I love our senior pastor. I love Pastor Anti. It's so amazing to work alongside them. And I know you don't hear it often, so I want you to hear it this morning. Love you. It's such an honor to work with you and to be together with you. I feel so humbled. I feel energized. And I want to say thank you to the Lord. And I want to say, Lord, please use us. And church, I say this with boldness. The best is yet to come at the church. So rejoice, church. We are becoming a community that loves God, loves each other, and loves the lost. Amen. We are in a series entitled Becoming Alive in Christ. So open up your Bibles right now to Colossians chapter 2. Let's get to work. Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to be starting in verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. We are in a series entitled Becoming Alive in Christ. Last week, Pastor helped us see the supremacy of Jesus Christ. It is all throughout chapter 1, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, Paul, when when you take all his epistles together, it really covers a great, vast amount of topics. For example, to the Corinthians, Paul explains the body of Christ, that that is each of us working together, the body of Christ. But in Colossians, Paul explains the head of that body, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he talks about the body and the head, and our head is, the, is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is supreme in every way. So today I want to ask the question, so what? If Christ is supreme, what difference does it make in our daily life? How should I live? What should I do? Where should I go? Who should I interact with? There are so many questions that we might have if Jesus is the head. Especially living in a fast-paced society full of tons of questions, how should we live? Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go whitewater rafting with some of my friends. If you don't know what that is, it's a very dangerous sport. 
You are going, we were in Yosemite going down the Merced River at a very fast pace in a small boat and with lots of heavy men like myself. During the training the, the, and, and the explanation time, the guide said, this is a very dangerous endeavor. The trainer explained how even last year many have died on the river. I said, this is not the way to start any meeting. So naturally, many questions began to arise. I started to feel concerned. I heard someone say, wait, so how safe is this? Someone said, what should I do? Uh, who should I look to? What, what happens when people die? How many people have died? It was just so many questions. And the instructor said, stop. Everyone stop talking. Here is the main thing. Here is the main thing. If you fall out of your raft, lift up your legs and let the current take you. We will find you eventually and pull you in. Again, that wasn't very comforting. Um, but he said, whatever you do, don't try to stand in the current. Don't try to hold your ground because it will break your legs and you will drown. We still had more questions. <laughs> and he said, guys, the main thing, lift up your legs and we will find you. We had all our other questions still mattered, but we all understood one thing. There is a main thing. My questions are there, but there is still a main thing. And the subject of my title this morning, the uh, subject of my message this morning is the main thing. Church, we need to learn to keep the main thing, the main thing. In our Christian life, we can be overwhelmed by so many other people's voices, so many other people's questions, all the circumstances, information around us. But Paul says, yes, yes, there are so many things vying for your attention every week. But here is the main thing. Jesus Christ is supreme. He is supreme. That is the one and main thing that you need to know every single day. Everything else is minor. They will distract you, deceive you, and defeat you if you let them overtake your life. Let's read Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 23. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted, built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Man, I could just preach those two verses, but we got to keep going. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was, to, was put off when you were circumcised by Jesus Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink 
or with regard to any religious festival, new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are all a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental sport forces of the world, why do you act like you still belong to the world and its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish, are based merely on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining our sensual indulgence. Whew. Man, Paul, I feel like I could just be finished. The text shows us two really important things that distract me and you from living as Christ is supreme. There are two things in here. First, you see it in verse 6 through 15. We are deceived by empty philosophy. We are deceived by empty philosophy. The second thing is in verse 16 through 23, the second half. We are deflated by religious legalism. We are deflated by religious legalism. This is the other thing that distracts me and you from following Jesus Christ. The main idea is to keep the main idea the main idea. Tell that to your kids. The main idea is to keep the main idea as the main idea. Don't be deceived by minor details because they will defeat you, deflate you, deceive you. Church, I know there are so many voices fighting for our attention every day. There's so many opinions. You've noticed the amount of opinions there are around us. Man, YouTube has become a platform for people's opinions, full of misinformation. Social media is filled with people's philosophy and religiosity. Some use scripture to justify their preferences. Some people use preferences to help them understand the scriptures. All kind of confusion happens, and we forget to keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus Christ is supreme. Not our philosophies. Not our rules and customs. Jesus alone. So will you open your hearts this morning? Some of you may not like me after today. Talk to pastor. Let the spirit of God minister to you. First, verse 6 through 15, deceived by empty philosophy. In this text, Paul is trying to help this newly planted Colossian church discern false teaching. Paul says you got to live your life in Christ. You have to be rooted and built up in Christ. Your strength has, your faith has to be strengthened in Christ such that you're overflowing with thankfulness. Why is Paul emphasizing this? That you have to be rooted. You have to be built. You have to be strengthened. You have to be overflowing. Why is he saying that? Because he knows the Colossian church is surrounded by everybody's opinions. This small church is being blown this way and that way, being weakened by what people have to say about them in the city. So Paul says what? Do not be held captive do not be put in prison 
Do not be held captive by everyone's empty and hollow, deceptive philosophies based on human traditions and elemental forces. I want to say this first. Church, I love philosophy. I took a lot of classes in college. Philosophy is beautiful. Custom is beautiful. They are all rich and beautiful things, but we must admit that until we meet Christ, we are dead. So dead people have dulled philosophy. Dead cultures have dulled and broken imaginations. It's true these things are beautiful, but they are dulled because we are dead. Mankind is looking through a window that has been darkened so they can't see everything clearly. Mankind is looking at themselves through a broken mirror so everything is disfigured and fractured. Again, I don't want to demean our customs or our philosophies. There is inherent goodness in each of them, but we must be able to say that they were all created while we were dead in Christ. Until we know Christ, we are still dead. And what God, what, what Paul is trying to say this morning, praise God that you and I, when we met Jesus Christ, we became alive in Christ. You see, Jesus is not really interested in turning bad people into good people. That was never Jesus' business. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not do that. The gospel of Jesus Christ takes me and you who were once dead and brings us to life in Jesus Christ. Once we are alive, we can see through the window. Once we are alive, we can look in the mirror. You see, what scholars call this is, they call this the double knowledge of Jesus Christ. Meaning that once we know God, we actually know ourselves, And once we know ourselves more through God, we actually understand God better. That is called double knowledge. Rembrandt, who was a Dutch painter in the 1600s, he was an incredible artist. You guys probably know some of his famous work of, works of art. As, as in his age, when artists age, they like to create self-portraits. It was the old school selfie. Typically, these self-portraits are amazing versions of themselves, right? As artists get older, their craft becomes better and better. So as they keep painting themselves, the better and better portraits of them happen as they get older. Some artists draw themselves in very flattering ways, more beautiful than they really are as they get older. It's much like the filters on Instagram. You make yourself look way better than you really are. But Rembrandt, because of his knowledge of God, felt convinced to draw himself more accurately as he got older. Therefore, if you go back and look at Rembrandt, his self-portraits show himself more and more accurately as he gets older. Even though he is more skilled, he shows himself more and more accurately. He knew as an incredible painter that he was still aging before God and man. You see, church, the beautiful thing about becoming alive in Christ is not only do you understand the reality of God, but God reveals to you who you really are. And as you know who you really are, you know God even more. Amen. This is what it means to be a Christian. Our minds are illuminated. Our hearts are softened. Our spirit man is quickened. Church, there are so many philosophies. Let me talk about a few that are empty in our world. Remember, real quick. What does a philosophy do? It answers three questions about life. You can write this down. What does a philosophy do? It answers three questions in life. First, it tells you what is broken in the world. What is broken? Or in Christian world, what is the sin? 
The second question is, what is the solution? What is the solution, or for Christians, what is redemption? The third question is, what is supreme? That's what a philosophy says. What is supreme in Christian words? What is worshipped? So what is broken? What is the solution? And what is supreme? That is what a philosophy teaches you. If we're not careful, these philosophies will come into our life and change the way we think. They will hold our mind captive. Our youth are living in a culture where they're being deceived by empty philosophies. Taking your mind captive. Let's, take it, let's, look, let's look at a few of them. Don't, don't be mad at me. Let's talk about a couple of philosophies. First, capitalism. Capitalism is a philosophy rampant in the United States. What is the problem? What does capitalism say the problem is? You're poor. You need more stuff. What's the solution? Money. More stuff. What is worshipped? The good life. The world is your shopping mall. Capitalism. What's another philosophy we have in this world? Nationalism. See it on every news network. Nationalism is a philosophy. What's the problem? Foreigners. Outsiders crossing the border. What's the solution? Power. Protection. Who should, who's supreme? The government. Our country first. Nationalism as a philosophy. Let me talk about another philosophy. Sorry, I know you're already getting mad at me. Conservatism. Conservatism is a philosophy in our country. What's the problem? Our traditions are crumbling. What's the solution? Reject progress. What do we worship? The good old days. The world is changing, but we can stop it. Church, Paul knows that Colossae is going through the same thing. But as you can see, so are we. Colossae is a brand new church plan. Our church is about to start a new church plan. What will be our primary philosophy? Will we embrace empty, deceptive, hollow philosophies of this world? What do we think our real problem is? We lack money? Too many outsiders? Crumbling traditions? You see, many of us actually believe this, so we think, if I can just give my kids some money, if I can keep them away from non-Indians or non-Malayalis, if I can keep, keep passing on my Kerala traditions, they will be fine. Funny thing is, none of those things make them alive. This reveals what we really worship. We worship the good life, the government, and the good old days. Church, I don't want to upset you, but when we plant a new church, it will not be for any of these reasons. What will it be? What is the philosophy of the kingdom of God? What is our problem? We are dead. What is the solution? He is alive. What do we worship? Jesus Christ alone. All other philosophies are empty, deceptive, and lay powerless at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Are we okay, church? We need to understand that all these other things, they might have some goodness, but they all do not matter when compared to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the main thing. So our thing as a church is to keep the main thing, the main thing, and let other minor things fall where they may. Amen, church? All right, second thing. 
Verse 16, not only are we deceived by these uh, philosophies, but we're deflated by religious legalism. So this is what Paul is trying to tell the Gentiles. Hey, I know you got in Colossae a bunch of Gentiles, but I also know living in your city is a bunch of Jews. Jews with their legalism. They have such staunch Jewish population living in Colossae and they have a synagogue there. Can you imagine when these Jews see all these brand new Christians? They walk up to them and say, oh, you're trying to follow our rabbi Jesus. They began to tell them, do you read the Torah? Do you understand the Psalms, the prophets, the rabbis would tell them, you can't be in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. You can't be in covenant with God. They began to tell him, you're not circumcised. You don't follow our feasts and our holidays. You don't even keep our dietary protocol. The young Colossae church begins to wonder, oh, wait, so I'm not, I'm not a follower of Jesus? No. Well, what must I do? You must first become a Jew, then a Christian. Paul says, no, no. You do not have to be circumcised by human hands. You have been circumcised through Christ spiritually in your hearts. Do not let anyone tell you what to eat or drink or what days to celebrate or what new moon festival there is or what Sabbath day is. Don't let anyone tell you that. That's what Paul is saying, not me. I'm just reading the scripture. Don't be mad. Why, Paul? These are our religious customs and our laws. My upachin, my father, my uncles, my matriarchs. We practice these things. One day, um, a daughter and her mom were making some Indian fruitcake, you know, for Christmas time. The mother was making the dough and mixing in all those, like, dried ingredients. You know those dried fruits? Oh, so good. Uh, I shouldn't be thinking about that right now. But anyways, he's making the dough. And then she makes the dough, and she starts to, like, do this with her hand. And the last 20% of the dough she cuts off and she puts aside, throws it, throws it in the trash. And the daughter said, why'd you cut off? Why'd you cut that off and throw it in the trash, mom? That could have been more cake. The daughter asked, why are you removing? Why are you throwing it away? Mom says, oh, it's because that's the way Amachi and Veli Amachi, that's how we did it. So that's why the way we do it that way. The daughter said, that's a waste. Why do you do it? Mother said, because it is our custom. That's how we honor our elders. Amachi did it, so I do it. That's good enough for me. The daughter was not satisfied. So she went to her Amichi, said, Amichi, um, I heard that we cut off the last piece of this bread. And Amichi, and Amichi said, yes, we do that. Why do we do that, Amichi? We cut it off because it is our custom. And mom says, well, mom said we do it for honoring our elders. No, we don't honor our elders. We honor God. By cutting off that piece of the bread? Yes, we give it to God. I thought it went in the trash. The daughter was confused by all of these answers. So she went to talk to her Veliomichi, who for her graciously was still alive, over 100 years old. Veliomichi, why do we cut off 20% of the, the loaf? Amichi said it's for the Lord. Mommy said it's for our elders. Why did you do it? Veliomichi smiled and said, I cut it off because I couldn't fit everything into the pan I had. <laughs> so I had to throw it out. Our traditions... Our religious customs are sometimes given so much romanticism, some, so much priority and symbolism that Veli Amici did not even intend. I often wonder, Amici, if you can see me, are you laughing at me or are you cheering me on? 
Nothing more, nothing less, except it couldn't fit in the pan. Paul says, these are all shadows of things that were to come, but now are here in Jesus Christ. Don't let legalism defeat you and deflate you. I keep thinking about all the new people that are going to love Jesus from different backgrounds. What are we going to tell them? But Paul, they said, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And Paul replies, these are all human commands, self-imposed worship. These are forms of false humility. Again, do not be mad at me. I am only saying what Paul wrote. You can read it in Malayalam too. Paul, are you sure? Paul, you're being so modern. You're throwing away all our customs. You don't know anything about how to stand for customs. Then Paul says, Acts 2, 22, verse 3. Acts 22, verse 3. Why don't you read there? What did Paul say about himself in Acts 22, verse 3? He says, you guys don't know. I am a Jew. I studied under Gamaliel. I was thoroughly trained in the laws of our ancestors. I was zealous for God more than any of you are today. And he keeps going. He says, I persecuted these Christians. I persecuted them way more severely than any of you did. Even more than you would even dare to do, I did to them. And I know what you are feeling about your religious legalism. But I'm here to tell you, your religious legalism is dead when you finally meet Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus, you come to life and all of these customs show what they really are. They might have a glimmer of goodness, but inside they are dead. Paul says, don't lose your connection to the head. Only Jesus Christ is supreme. If Christ says you are free, brother, who am I to make you a slave again? What are we going to say to all the new people that become followers of Jesus? First, become a Malayali. Brother, I know that you came from this background, but here's how you should come to church. Wear a white shirt, black pants, gold glasses, gold pen, gold watch, and some fantastic bata slippers. Speak in Malayalam. Get rid of the rest of your friends. Then come to church. How deflating that would be to a new Christian. How deflating would our religious legalism be for them? Paul would say, no, why would you be a stumbling block for those that want to come into the kingdom of God? Stop praying for the lost if you don't know how to worship with them. Church, one of the things that really bothers me is how we give so much money away to India, praying to reach Hindus, but we cannot accept those that come to Christ from a Hindu background here. Church, let us keep the main thing, the main thing. Our cultures and customs, they are so good. They are good, but they should never be put in front of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ is supreme. What he said, we will do. Let us not be defeated or deflated by the empty philosophies of this world. Let us not be defeated or deflated by the religious legalities that we self-impose. It's time for God to do something greater in us. Church, can we just close our eyes for a moment and move into a time of reflection? Let us examine our hearts. If I said something today that pricked your heart, please know I said it out of love. I love our church. I love what God is going to do. I, I believe the best is yet to come, but we have to examine our hearts.
Are we being deceived by empty philosophies all around us? Is your trust in capitalism, money? Is your trust in nationalism, the next president? Is your trust in conservatism? Oh, if we could just keep the past. The gospel says don't believe in empty philosophies. They come from the minds of those who are dead to Christ. Is your trust in your customs, our past traditions, our rules and protocols of being Malayali Pentecostals? Oh, Paul says they are just shadows of what has already come to life in Jesus Christ. Paul says this, Jesus has publicly shamed the enemy. Why is it important to know that? So that we don't have to publicly shame anyone else trying to follow Jesus. The person that needed to be put to shame has already been put to shame. And that is the enemy and his minions. They have already been put to shame. So let us not shame those that are trying to follow Jesus. Let us not be deceived or defeated by minor things. Let us keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus Christ is supreme. Let's get ready for a harvest. Why don't we stand to our feet as we worship God. Father, I pray that the words that were taught today, Lord, may, they, may your spirit animate them. May we repent, may we come back to you and help us to worship you. God, we're ready for a harvest. Make us ready. In your name we pray, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.